This is the Life Church Podcast. For more messages, to watch our live stream, or to find other events, go to lifechurchnow.org. What a great day to be here. So glad that you're here worshiping with us. I want to wish you a merry, merry Christmas. And my prayer is that this, uh, this Christmas Eve and tomorrow you will, you will experience the love of Jesus Christ that you've never experienced before. And you have a lot of fun in the process. Amen? Amen. You know, we kicked off uh, this uh, series, this Christmas series, four weeks, ago, four weeks ago, talking about how light has come. And the metaphor that's used there, the idea of light, uh, obviously the contrast of that or the opposite of that is darkness. Have you ever been scared of the dark? Some of us, yeah. Maybe you don't want to raise your hand because you're still scared of the dark and you don't want anybody else to know. Yeah. Uh, I, you can ask my family, I, like, I don't like I, scary movies, that's just not my thing. I just don't like scary movies, and mostly because it's dark, but not just dark in a spiritual sense, but it's just dark because the movie itself is dark, right? Like the, like the scenes are all in darkness, because that's the only way it can be a scary movie, because creepy things have to pop out of the darkness and scare the living daylights out of you, and that's why I don't watch them, you know? And so if there's a, you, there might be some of you out there that you don't mind scary movies, but I, man, I just, I can't stand scary movies. They just freak me out. And so, uh, and, and, and then growing up, my, my grandmother, my grandmother had a weird way of kind of keeping us five, I had, we're five brothers, of, of keeping us five brothers in line at night. We all slept in the same bedroom. So five boys, if you can imagine, five boys all sleeping in the same bedroom. That was just chaos. And it was, it was a lot of fun at night, you know, when parents would go to bed. It was a lot of fun for us, but they just thought, you need to be asleep, you need to be quiet. And so my grandmother would come in and tell us these stories of, in, in Costa Rica and Panama, they used the, 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 the word tuli vieja. Uh, other countries call them llorona. And, uh, and so uh, she'd come and tell this really scary story to us to try to keep us in line and say, you know, there's this tuli vieja, this woman who had some tragedy, lost a child, and so now you hear her at night crying by the river. And if you hear her and you're, not, you're a naughty boy, like she would tell us that, she might come and take you in the middle of the night. <laughs> I love my grandmother, but she told us some pretty scary stories. <laughs> so my brothers and I, we'd be there. Of course, my grandma comes in and says, talks about the Tuli Vieja, and my, my brother, Alan, he's the culprit. He's the one that's always getting in trouble. And so it was because of him that she, came, she comes in and scares us with this story, and so we all go to, we try to go to bed, but none of us can sleep, you know. Finally, we fall asleep, and I wake up in the morning, and it's me with all four of my brothers in the same bed. We're like <laughs> twin-sized bed, because we were afraid that, the, you know, if the Tuli Vieja was going to come in the middle of the night, she was going to take one of us. She wasn't going to take us without a fight. There was going to be four brothers who were going to make sure that she did it. I don't know what it was, but anyway, it took many years to kind of overcome this fear of darkness for me. What's, what's interesting, though, is that I... I felt that way at night, I'm not every night, I'm maybe being a little bit dramatic here with it, but um, I felt that way at night, but I didn't feel that way during the daytime. And I think it t- speaks to us, it, it speaks to us about the reality of light and darkness. I think we are drawn to the light. We want to be in the light because we find freedom in the light, and darkness kind of oftentimes represents the areas of our life that we don't want, we don't want to be there, we're not 
happy there. You know, it's just something about it, you know. One of the central ideas of the Christmas story is that light has shone in darkness. In fact, one of the, one of the most common images of God is that he is, that God is light. That he is light. That he has come to shine the light, his light into this world and the, wor- and the darkness could not withstand the light. That God is light. And he invites you and I to walk in the light. In fact, the Bible's full of talks extensively about deeds of darkness and how we as followers of Jesus Christ, followers of the light, should avoid or reject the deeds of darkness. You and I are invited as followers of Christ to walk in the light. So think about this contemporary Christmas, how we celebrate Christmas these days. Even in this room today, you you will have noticed it. Once Christmas season rolls around, what is one of the first things that we do? We put up lights, right? We put up the Christmas tree, and the first thing goes on the Christmas tree is lights. You decorate your house with lights. I don't think that's coincidence. I don't think that was just some, you know, European thing that got made up, and one day we're just going to use lights. I actually think that this is metaphorical. I think that it's the way we view Christmas from a very profound theological perspective, that God is light, and light has invaded the darkness of this world. Most of us know the Christmas story from the perspective of of the synoptic gospels. And let me explain that. There's four gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels. So hopefully you've read the four gospels. And um, the synoptic gospels would be the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And they're, they're called that for some various technical reasons, dating, timing, sources, and all that kind of stuff. The fourth one, John, is set apart because it was written much later and has maybe different sources and what, what, whatsoever concerning the, the... I don't have time to get into all of that. But basically, the idea is, is that they are different. We hear, when we read and hear the story of Christmas, we often hear it, the story that's depicted in the Synoptic Gospels. Most of I, I would venture that most of you in this room have never heard the Christmas story from the Gospel of John. In fact, some of you might even think it doesn't exist in the Gospel of John. So today what I'm going to do is I'm going to share the Christmas story from the Gospel of John, which will be kind of interesting because it's not a very long story. In fact, it's one verse. <laughs> John chapter 1, verse 14 says this, So the Word, talking about the eternal God, the Logos, the God of heaven, the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. How many of you are thankful for God's unfailing love and faithfulness? Amen? Yes. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father, the one of the Father's one and only Son. I mean, this is a very short verse, a very short narrative concerning the, the incarnation, the birth of Jesus Christ. And if you notice, John doesn't waste any time to talk about the supporting cast. He's not, he doesn't care about mangers and angels appearing and shepherds in the field or, or booked inns, you know, that can't be, there's no, no room for, for, for the family. Actually, he just cuts to the chase. He goes straight to the, to the primary actor, Jesus Christ. Notice how he, he describes him in verse 4 and 5. The word, of God, the word gave life to everything. This word, this, who became human, made his home among us. 
The word gave life to everything that, that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light, the light shines in darkness. And my prayer this, this afternoon is that light will shine in whatever darkness that you might be facing right now. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. I love how John makes this connection between light and life. That somehow or another, that when the light comes into this world, life is birthed out of that. And you understand that. You might be thinking, well, I don't really get all the metaphors, Rich. But you understand that when you get that dark phone call in the middle of the night of some relative that's passed away that you dearly love and you feel like darkness begins to overshadow you. And it, what does it do typically? It zaps you of life. Life gets sucked out of you when it comes to areas of darkness. But when we have the light of the gospel, there's something happens to us. There's life, abundant life that comes. See, there's this connection between the two. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I'm excited about, about the, this Advent season, about the light that has come. 37 years ago, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I was, frankly, a very confused young man. I didn't know what that meant fully. I didn't understand what, I mean, I was told the gospel and that I needed to accept Jesus Christ into my life. I was told that, but I didn't fully get it. But something very mystical began to happen. Light began to shine in my life. Areas of darkness that, I, that were there, addictions and, and, and issues that were just surrounding my life just began to be, be exposed by the light. And slowly I began to find freedom. See, that's really what the gospel is all about. It's about freedom. And so I am so thankful that the light has come because I have freedom. And I suspect that some of you in this room, you could say the same thing. I am thankful that Jesus Christ came into my life because he's brought freedom. He's brought light. So I'm thankful for that. And I celebrate that. What about, here's the thing, here's a question. What about the in-between? I mean, 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and brought the light, but... But there's still darkness in this world. In fact, there's some of you sitting here right now that you would say, yeah, Rich, actually there's, there's still kind of some darkness inside of me. Rich, there's, there's this thing in my life that's got a grip of me and, and it's possessing me and it's, it's got me so, so bound with an addiction, whatever addiction it might be. And that's, that's just a dark area. I don't want anybody to know. I hide it. I keep it in the cloud. I don't want anybody to know. There's this darkness inside of me. What about the in-between? The fact that Jesus came and brought light and yet Sometimes we know. We don't have to go too far to know that there's darkness in this world, right? But sometimes there's even darkness in us. See, we live in a very, very dark world. And it's not, it's not a world of tuliviejas or lloronas. It's real darkness, like a world where child abuse still exists. A world where a husband or wife would make a very dark choice of infidelity. A world where a 25-year-old seemingly healthy young man would get a diagnosis of cancer and three months after his 25th birthday would 
would die. A world of Parkinson's, a world of loneliness, a world of depression, a world of sin. It's the world that we live in. And I think some of you have gone through some seasons of darkness. You get exactly what I'm talking about. It's great on Christmas to talk about the light has come, but Lord, when is the light going to shine in those areas of my life? When is the light going to set me free from the addiction that's in my life? When is the life going to restore this broken marriage? So this Christmas, I want to tell you a different kind of Christmas story. I don't just want to say, this is what we always do, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. That's great. I love the saying we will we'll say it. I'll probably say it a couple, 20 dozen times between now and tomorrow. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. But it's so easy to say those words and it's almost like a little good luck charm that we're throwing on you. So hope that everything is good. <laughs> when really what we need more than Merry Christmas is we need the light to shine inside of us. That's what we need. So I'm not just simply talking about a nice little saying. I'm talking about freedom coming into our very soul and establishing your joy. No matter what darkness you might be going through, what challenges you might be going through, for the light to shine in that. And so that one day you're no longer bound by that darkness. Yes, it exists. Yes, you look at yourself and you see a scar there and it reminds you of that darkness. But you're free. That's not bound, that hasn't bound, that hasn't bound you, that hasn't kept you down. You have been set free from the light of the gospel. So what darkness may, may you be going through right now? What is it that's there? It's interesting how Christmas is characterized by joy and cheer, and yet Christmas oftentimes can be a time of a lot of darkness for some people. Like maybe this Christmas is the first Christmas where you're celebrating Christmas without that beloved grandmother. So, yeah, everybody's saying Merry Christmas. Everybody's happy, but you're sad. Or maybe this Christmas is the first Christmas where the kids have to go to two different homes because of divorce. I don't know what your darkness might be today, but that's for the very reason Jesus came. He came to shine his light in your life. Verse 9 of John chapter 1 says, The one who is a true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the light has come, and it came to make something that was very wrong right. Like God came to take back what was rightfully his. But something has to happen. Notice what it says there in verse 12. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. There's something that you and I do in this exchange we believe, we accept. Let me illustrate it this way. Imagine, I'm not, okay. Don't imagine that I'm the pastor of the church. I am the pastor of the church. But imagine that as the pastor of this church, I find out that you have a significant desire for a Nintendo Switch. 
okay? I don't even really know what a Nintendo Switch is, but I was looking online, and I saw that that's the new thing, you know? So you have this real big desire for a Nintendo Switch. I find out about it, so I decide, I'm going to get you a Nintendo Switch. I go to the store, I shop for it. I even buy a few extra accessories for this Nintendo Switch. I box it up nicely. I wrap it up in the finest wrapping paper. And so Sunday after service, I see you walking out, and so I'm going to intercept you. I go out the side door to meet you at your car and give you this gift. You, we meet at your car. You see me standing there with a gift, and you say, hey, Pastor, what's this all about? I'm like, I got you a gift. Merry Christmas. And I hand you the gift. You take it. I said, why don't you open it? He said, well, I, I, I don't have time right now. I've got to go. I've got to meet somebody. I'm like, okay, no worries. Just, just when you get home, open up on Christmas Day, no problem. The following week, I see you come into church, and we start talking, and I say, hey, what do you think about the gift? And you're like, oh, pastor, you know what? Sorry. It's still in my car. I haven't opened it yet. I was like, okay, no problem. No worries. Just open it when you, when you can. A month later, I'm in a restaurant, and you show up, and you see me there, and you come running to me excitedly, and I'm thinking, maybe she opened a gift, and, 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 I, and I say, hey, did you open the gift? She said, oh, no, 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 I was, just, I was just talking about you. I was telling a friend of mine that you, you, the pastor of my church, you gave me a gift on, for Christmas, and I was just so blown away by that. I said, you didn't open it? No, no, not yet. I will. I will. It's still in the car. <laughs> You need to know this. A gift is only a gift if it's received. There's some of you that know the Christmas story inside and out. I mean, you know all, you've memorized all the Christmas songs. You, you can quote the entire, you know, Charlie Brown Christmas maybe. <laughs> you know that Jesus came to, as born as a baby in a manger and that he eventually died on a cross, you know that he came to save all of humankind. You know that. But if you don't receive that gift that was given 2,000 years ago, the light can't shine in you. Please hear me. The unopened gift of Jesus, the unopened gift of Jesus, the Savior of the world, the light that comes into darkness, does you absolutely no good until you receive it, into, until you accept it into your life. It says, a, those who believed him accepted him and became children of God. Let me read verse 14 again. So it says, started off with that verse. So, so, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Again, thank God for his unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. We read this verse, and oftentimes, like like I said, we don't really utilize this passage often to talk about Christmas. It's not really a Christmas story for us, not in our memories at least. We actually use this passage more as a theological argument. It's like the argument that we use in the theology circles of to prove the divinity of Christ. Like we, we have an argument against the Ebionites. You know, these Ebionites, you know, they don't believe in the divinity of Christ. They don't believe in that. So that's how we use this passage. But you have to understand, it's more than a theological argument. This is more than just linear thinking. This is God moving into our neighborhood. That's what this passage is talking about. That he identifies with where you are. 
So whatever darkness you might be going through right now, whatever challenges you might be facing, whatever addiction has gripped your life, it's not enough to say he's, a, he's divine. You need to know that he understands. He's walked that path. He knows exactly where you are. He identifies with you. He's moved into your neighborhood. I read a story once of a young Midwestern family that were living in California. I'm going to actually read this story to you now. This husband and wife, they had some difficulty in their marriage. They had some rocky times. The young wife had finally grown tired of the stresses of marriage and the responsibilities of raising kids. She just felt like she needed a break. She needed to get away. One morning, the husband woke up to a note beside him in the bed, and she was gone. He agonized over her leaving, but felt she needed some space, so he wasn't going to really try to follow her or chase her down. He called that day, and every day for a week, he told her he loved her, he begged her to come home. She would listen, and he could sometimes hear her in the background softly weeping as he was telling, telling her of his love for her, but she stubbornly refused to come home. As Christmas approached, the young father became more intentional. He hired a private investigator. He wanted to find out where is, where is she, you know? got to find her. A week later, this private investigator <clears throat> found her in a seedy hotel in a bad neighborhood in Las Vegas. The private investigator called the husband and said, hey, I found your wife. What do you want me to do? You want me to go let her know that you're looking for her? What do you want me to do? He said, don't tell her anything. Several days before Christmas, she sat on a lumpy motel bed all by herself in the dimly lit room. She felt about as lonely as she has ever felt in her life. Suddenly, she heard a knock at the door. Slowly and cautiously, she walked through the room and peeked through the curtain. Her heart skipped a beat as she saw her husband standing in the doorway. She slid the chain free, threw open the door, and fell into his arms. He repeated to her his familiar speech, we love you, we really care about you, we need you, please come home. This time, she was throwing the few clothes she had into this old suitcase that she had and heading towards a car. A week later, the Christmas tree was back in the attic. The children were in school. And he asked her, why did you wait so long to come home? I begged you to come back a dozen times. What took you so long? She said, you told me you loved me. You told me you needed me, but those were just words until the moment you showed up. 2,000 years ago, God showed up. God didn't stand up in heaven and shout down at you, hey, I love you. Come up here. showed up. He came into our neighborhood. He walked among us. You see, someone doesn't travel that far unless they love you and they want a relationship with you. I'm going to ask us all to stand. 
going to ask you to pull those glow sticks back out again. You might have to shake it up a little bit. But this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to just put it away. Don't let the light shine yet. Just keep it away. As these house lights begin to dim, I suspect that there are some of you in this room that the darkness that you see in this place kind of represents some areas of your life. For some of you, it might be this very idea, this very thought that you came into this room, you were invited by a friend maybe to this Christmas service, but you feel hopeless. You really don't know if you even have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So your relationship with God, there's just darkness there. Maybe it's a struggle with Parkinson's or, or heart disease. Maybe you're just trying to overcome a recent divorce, and man, it's so dark, so dark in your life. Maybe you're struggling with loneliness, and during the day, you kind of cope okay with it, but at night when you put your head down to, to sleep, the darkness of the room just reminds you of how lonely you really are. Maybe as a child you were a victim of abuse. Now you're an adult and you've kind of managed to be functional. You go to work, you do your things and all that. It's normal, normal life. But every time his name is mentioned, you slip into that dark place in your life. Maybe you lost a child and you say to yourself over and over again, Parents aren't supposed to outlive their children. Parents aren't supposed to live outlive their children. Maybe, maybe for you, you're like this couple that I read about that when you first, when you first got married, you were just in love. Everything was great and awesome, but now some years have passed and that love has waned and maybe there's distance between you relationally. You're not sure if this marriage is even going to last you're worried about the future of your marriage and feel so dark. Look, I can go over many scenarios, scenario after scenario of darkness that sometimes invades our lives, but here's the thing. You can't shoo it away. You can't shoo, darkness, shoo. You can't do that. It doesn't go. You can't wish it away like hope. Oh, I just hope the darkness will leave me. You can't can't positive confess it away. You see, darkness responds only to light. That's how it is. And so if there's darkness in your life at any level, any way, if you haven't given your life to Christ and there's darkness in your life or if you're struggling through an addiction or whatever, you just need to know that you need the light of Jesus Christ in your life right now. So what we're going to do here for about 20, 30 seconds is that I want you to name it, whatever that darkness is. If it's addiction, alcoholism, drug addiction, pornography, whatever it is. If it's addiction, name it. You don't have to say it out loud, but just to God, name it. If it's a broken relationship with your wife or your husband, name it. It's abuse when you were a child. Name it. 
just tell it to God. Say, God, will, you, will your light shine in that very dark area of my life? I need your light to be there. That's why he came. And when you've done that, when you've named it and you've invited the light, here's what I'm asking you to do. Simply raise this up in the air as a collective prayer from all of us. God, we invite your light into our lives. Amen? Father, we just want to thank you, God, for the light of the world that has come, that has set us free, God, that has given us new hope, new desires, Father God, that, that, that the dark areas of our life that have seemed to possess us and overcome us, Father, we invite you into that place. Set us free, Father, so we can look back and only see a scar, not a wound. We see a scar of where we used to be, but God, we are free. We are free in Christ Jesus. Father, replace this sorrow for joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Look around. Keep your hands up. Every one of these, I tell you, I'm emotional about this. Every one of these is a prayer lifted to God, inviting his light into your life. And that's exactly what he's going to do. Amen? Amen. Let's worship God this evening.